Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm uh, 73. Psalm 73. Psalm 73, reading from verse 1. Psalm 73, reading from verse 1. The Bible says this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph goes on to speak about how he's feeling and, and so on. And then we get to verse 21 on the same chapter, verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And so, Father, I just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is practical. And we thank you that your word actually speaks into our own experiences and our own life today. Just pray, Holy Spirit, come. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word, Lord God. Let our hearts be open to receive from you. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation even as I share, Father. Let your gifts be in operation, Father. We depend completely upon you, Lord God. Be glorified today, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're in a series entitled uh, Praying Our Emotions. I'm not sure if we're going to continue with this after Easter, but um, certainly a couple of messages on this, on this theme. God made us emotional beings, and feelings play a really big part in our life. There are different kinds of emotions. There's the desirable emotions, the emotions we all want to experience. It's like joy, peace, and love. Um, and then there are the difficult emotions that the ones we kind of want to avoid, that's, that's like anger and guilt and fear. Question is, uh, how do we deal with those difficult emotions that seem to overwhelm us or seem to uh, um, affect us so deeply in our lives? Key verse uh, for this series is, if you live without restraint and are unable to control your temper or your emotions because our anger is an emotion, then you're as helpless as a city with broken down defences open to, it, to attack. We said last week that there are generally two ways that people deal with their emotions. Uh, there are the expressors and the repressors. 
Um, how many expresses do we have here? How many people want to actually admit to that? No one wants to admit to that. There's a few. Uh, there's a few that are game enough to admit. And then there are the repressors. How many people kind of just repress? No one wants to admit to that too. Okay, no one, no one wants to put their hand up. That's fine. Uh, the expressors are people that have no trouble expressing exactly how they feel. Uh, they vent. Uh, they dump their emotions on anyone. Um, they, they, they're happy to give people a piece of their mind if they want it or don't want it. And then there are the repressors. The repressors do the exact opposite. They kind of stuff their feelings down inside of themselves and the reality is that both of these strategies are not healthy in terms of how we deal with our emotions uh, especially those difficult emotions so there's a third way uh, that as we look at the scriptures there's another way for us to actually deal with those emotions there's another way uh, that, that we can address those difficult emotions in our own lives and that is we need to learn to pray our emotions it's just a it's just a wonderful concept um, and if there's a book in the Bible that teaches us exactly how to do that, it's actually the Psalms, where the psalmists, many of the psalmists were actually written by David. And, and you know, as, 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 as David pens the words, many of them songs uh, or, or poems, I mean, he's expressing his emotions through the Psalms and it helps us to be able to deal with some of those challenges in our own lives. Teach, psalms teach us more than anything else how to deal with difficult emotions. Last week, we spoke about how to deal with the seasons of sorrow and pain and tears. We talked about planting our tears. Today, I want to look at how to deal with the times in our life where God doesn't make sense. How do we deal with those seasons in our lives when God doesn't make sense? called as Christians to walk by faith. We're called to live by faith. Where there is faith, God begins to move. Uh, it's a theme that runs right throughout the scriptures. We say things like, you know, if you just have faith of a mustard seed, you, you can move mountains in your life. It's in the Bible, actually. So we're speaking scripture. It's a very positive, uplifting, empowering message in, in, in the Bible. But my concern is that there are two sides to faith. One side of faith is empowering faith, and we're great at preaching messages on this kind of faith. It's, uh, it's the kind of messages that we, we want to hear. We say things like, you can move mountains, you can make a difference. Your biggest problems can be solved. You can kill giants, you can change the world, you can see miracles. All you need to do is have faith. In fact, Hebrews 11 spends the first half of the chapter just speaking about empowering faith. We all want to believe that we would have faith so that God would empower us, especially in those areas of our lives where we feel weak, limited. But there's another side to faith that we don't speak about as often. You see, there are times in our life where God doesn't make sense. And it's in those times we need what, we, what the second half of Hebrews chapter 11 speaks about is we need enduring faith. See, faith has two sides. On the one side, there's empowering faith. On the other side is enduring faith. Hebrews, the great chapter of faith, speaks about both of those sides of faith. Look at what it says. Hebrews says this, is it, chapter 11, verse 39. It says, these were all commended for their faith. In other words, it's got a list of people that did great things for God. And then, and then there's a list of people who, who, actually, who actually didn't do great things, so to speak. 
And they're mentioned in that chapter as well. And then it says, those were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised since God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Just, just some profound scriptures there. And I want to talk about this today. Because so often when we go through challenges, we start to feel guilty. So often when we go through challenges, we feel like we're not spiritual enough, like we need more faith. No, what we need in those seasons, what we need in those difficult seasons, what we need in the seasons where we can't understand what God is actually doing, what we need in those seasons is enduring faith. Today, I want to speak about that. I want to speak about those times where God doesn't make sense. Because I, I believe that there are many of us that go through times in our life where, you know, as we try to work it out, I mean, I don't know about you, I'm, I, my, my, my background or my strength is mathematics. I love mathematics. Didn't do very well in English, failed English, didn't do very well at all. But I did very well in maths. I love maths. I loved algebra. I loved, you know, you know 4x plus 6 divided by 3, you know, to the power of 16, solve x. I love, I love those kind, how many people like that kind of algebra? Yeah, God bless you all. You guys are going to be in heaven. You're going to get some, some, some better spots in heaven. Um, I, I, love, I love calculus and, 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 and solving, solving for X. I like, I like to solve for X. How many people know in life you don't always solve X? That the algebraic equation actually is 4x plus 3y multiplied by 4a, b, c, d, and e, and f, and, and all the rest. Solve it, you know. Uh, and it's not quite as easy to solve. And so today I want to speak about those moments in our life where God doesn't make sense. And to help us deal with that, we're going to look at Psalm 73. Because Asaph, who's the author, begins the psalm by by presenting his problem, and, and I just love this. He says, surely God is good to Israel. I know that God is good to those who are pure in heart. He, that's, the, that's the thesis. That's the, pre, that's the premise that he's beginning for. I know that God is good to Israel. I know he's good to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. That doesn't mean, you know, he, was, he nearly slipped on a banana peel. That means he nearly lost his faith. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph in the first few verses presents the problem for us. I know God is good, but I don't get why the arrogant are more blessed than me. As I looked around me, I saw people who were far from God living in sin and they seemed to be doing a little bit better than I'm doing. And as I thought about this, I nearly lost my faith. He couldn't understand what God was doing. I wonder, is there anyone here who has ever wondered what God was doing? Is there anyone here who's ever gone through seasons where you prayed and, and there was no answer? Where you prayed and instead of things getting better, things actually got a little bit worse. Where you questioned, why did God... Why, why did God let this happen? You question the dealings of God. Some of you have been praying for years for something and there's been no answer. I mean, if you were praying for a million dollars, you know, uh, and, and, and there's been no answer, you can understand why that might be the case. It's actually a selfish prayer. And so you can understand why God might not answer that prayer. But what you're asking for is just some peace, some joy. You just want to have a family. You just want to meet someone who loves you. 
You want to stop arguing with your spouse. You just want to wake up one morning and feel normal. And you're wondering, where is God? If God is good, then why do bad things happen? If God is powerful, then why does he seem to be powerless at times? If God loves me, then why does he allow things in our lives that at times seem to express the contrary? Now, I know these are complex questions and difficult questions, and I know we don't always like to, like to dive here, but I, I just feel that there's a, as I was reflecting on, on this, because I've been thinking about this message for a few weeks now, and I was thinking, you know what, I, th- I think from time to time as a church, we need to kind of just do a time out and pause, and let's ask some real questions that some of us might be asking. Now, I know some of you right now are going through an amazing time in your life and you're full of faith and everything's great. I get that. God bless you. And we all go through those kind of seasons. But my concern is that there are people in a congregation like this who might be going through some things that don't, that don't make sense. Now, I know most of us are really good at answering those questions for others. <laughs> oh, God is doing something for you, you know. <laughs> But when we're going through this, it's a completely different story. I want to be really sensitive today because I know that there are people in church who've been through things, gone through things, going through things that are extremely painful and that are different, difficult to reconcile. I know God is good. I know, I know that he's good to Israel. I know that he's good to those who fear him. But, but, but I, I, I know that to be true. But as I look around me, it's just something doesn't make sense here. So how do we deal with the seasons in our life when God doesn't make sense? I'm going to pull out a few principles through the psalm that I pray will help us today. And I pray that God will speak to us as individuals and, and speak into the situations that we're all facing in our lives even, even today. The first lesson we learn from this psalm is that all of us will experience a crisis of faith. All of us will experience times when our faith will be challenged. I love this psalm because it was written by a man called Asaph. Um, Asaph was a Levite. He was the author of a number of Psalms. In fact, this Psalm 73 is um, the first Psalm of a section there uh, of a number of Psalms that were written by by Asaph. He was appointed by David to sing in the temple. He was a prophet. This was no ordinary guy. What strikes me most about this man is that God was wanting to write a Psalm. God, God was, these words in Psalm 73 are not the words of Asaph, although he penned the psalm. How many people understand that the words in the Bible were actually authored by the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit was wanting to pen Psalm 73 and he was looking for someone. Who can I use? Who shall I use? And there he was, Asaph. Asaph is so sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He writes these words. This was no ordinary person. Yet, if Asaph experienced some of these challenges, how much more than we were we? We're not exactly sure what Asaph was going through. We're not exactly sure what his problem was, what, what the problem or the difficulty he was experiencing was. Some people believe it was a serious illness. Later in the psalm, he says, my heart and my flesh may fail, you know, but God is the strength of my life. It's believed he was going through a, a, a sickness, potentially terminal, and he was wondering, God, what are you doing? 
And look at how deeply this question affected him. When Verse 16 says, when I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply. I mean, this wasn't just this fleeting question that was going through his mind. As he, as he thought about it, it troubled him. The King James Version says, it was too painful for me to understand. I wonder, is there someone who's ever been through something like that? Or is going through something like that? One of the things we need to learn about our walk with God is that there will be seasons we will all, where we will all experience a crisis of faith. It doesn't matter how many years we've been walking with God. It doesn't matter how deep our relationship with God is. We will experience a crisis of faith. Well, we will not understand what God is doing, where the dealings of God may trouble us in some way or another. I mean, just look through the Bible and you'll see many examples of people went through exactly that. Abraham was a classic example. God appears to him, says, you're going to have a baby. And then it's like God vanishes. Joseph, Job, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, the apostle Paul, the disciples, and the list goes on and on and on. All of these people experience what is, what is called a crisis of faith. Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. In other words, Paul got to a point where, where the trouble that they were experiencing, that he was experiencing, caused him to despair about life, where he had lost all hope. People who were used by God in a powerful way. And yet they questioned the dealings of God. If they did, how much more will we experience? Times when our faith will be challenged. It's a crisis of faith. Been through one of those, a couple of those in my own life. And, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an interesting season where you go, okay, God, I know that you're real, but, but what about this? Because this, this doesn't seem to be consistent with your character and your nature. And we all need to learn how to deal with those times. Those times are either going to bring us closer to God or they're going to cause us to draw away from God. But we all need to wrestle in some ways with God. Asaph spends the first 16 verses presenting his case, his complaint, and then there's a shift. He begins to shift as he, as he uh, uh, processes what he's going through. And this brings us to the second thing that we learn from the psalm is that we need to pray our doubts. Notice what verse 21 says. It says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Now, I don't know what that means exactly, but what I see is someone who's praying his doubts. What I see here is someone who's going into the presence of God, who's pouring out his heart to God, who's complaining, arguing with God, challenging God. This is not someone holding back. I don't know if you've ever spoken like a brute beast. I don't know what that actually looks like. I don't think it's pretty though. <laughs> and this is someone who was expressing his full emotions to God so much so that he was feeling bad because he was like a brute beast. I was senseless and I was a brute beast. But notice what he says. I was a brute beast. Where? Before you. He's pouring his heart out to God greatest thing that we can do with our difficult emotions is not vent them randomly. 
or deny the reality of them, the greatest thing that we can do is pray our emotions, is to bring them into the presence of God. I, I don't know any other way to really deal with them other than to bring them into the presence of God. Counselling is amazing and, and speaking to other people is great. And I think all of that's really important. But the greatest thing that we can do is just bring them into the presence of God. Notice verse 16. He says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood. It wasn't until he entered into the presence of God that the lights began to come on. People often speak to me about their challenges and many times as we look at what we're going through, we understand why, we understand exactly what we're going through. We may not like it, but we say things like, God is helping me grow, this is a new season, he's doing something new. But what do you do with those times where you can't see any good in this at all? I'll tell you what you do with that is you bring those deep emotions into the presence of God. What you do with those things is you bring them into the presence of God. You don't, you don't vent them. You don't deny the reality of them. Some people stuff them in and they just pretend, oh no, it's all fine. It's all good. I don't believe that's scriptural, biblical or healthy for us at all. Greatest thing that we can do is bring them into the presence of God. Number three, you need to remember who God is. Biggest problem when we're going through a perplexing season is our emotions are screaming at us. Rage, doubt, fear, depression, anxiety. Our emotions are so loud, sometimes they drown out reason. And the enemy is saying, if God is good, then why is this happening to you? Here's the issue. We call it a crisis of faith because in that crisis, we need to make a decision. It's not a decision you make with your mind or even with your emotions. It's a decision you make with your will. Are we going to trust God or are we going to walk away from God? Is God really a good God or is he not really a good God? Which one of those is it? Our emotions are great servants but terrible masters. Our thoughts are great servants but terrible masters. And what's so important is that we make a decision on the basis of what, to win, what we know to be true. It's in the storm that we need to drop our anchors and wait on God. All of us will go through seasons that won't we, where we will not understand what we're going through. And that's why we need to have a solid foundation of truth upon which we stand when everything else is failing. That's a quote from Chuck Smith. And one of those truths about God that we need to, we need to know is that God is good. We need to know that God loves me, that he is in control of my life, that all things work for good. Notice what Asaph says as he's, heading, as he's writing more of the psalm. Verse 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail. But, but, but look at the declaration. He's saying, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In other words, he's saying, you know what? I know that things may not be going very well in my life. I may not understand everything that is going in my, on in my life right now. But God is the strength of my life, my portion forever. He makes a decision to trust God. Verse 28, I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. He makes a decision. I'm going to trust God. Talked about Abraham. I love talking about Abraham because God appears to him. He says, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And he appears to him two or three times, except there's no child. Now, I, I know we all have questions, but, but he, he, must have, he must have had some very serious questions and very serious doubts. 
Doubts are never the problem. Our doubting God is never the problem. It's what we do with the doubts. And the greatest thing that we we can do with the doubts is bring them to Jesus, to bring them into the presence of God. John the Baptist, the great John the Baptist, who was in prison, was doubting. Is Jesus really the one? And he sends his disciples to speak to Jesus. Because that's the greatest thing that we can do with our doubts. Abraham is wrestling and wondering and there's a verse in the Bible that says, nevertheless, Abraham believed God. He made a decision to trust God even though he did not fully understand him. If we could fully understand God, then we would be God. Amen? (laughs) And trust me, you would not want me to be God. I can assure you of that. That would not be good. In the crisis of faith, we wrestle, we fight, we bring it into the presence of God. But at some point, we've got to make a decision. Okay, is God really a good God or not? Am I going to trust him or not? And as we read through the scriptures, it's really, it's really the story of God. It's his story. It's, it's, it's the story of how God has dealt with his people again and again and again. And we, we, we understand that that it may not seem like God is a good God in, in this particular moment, but in the big picture, I know that God is a good God. And so he made a decision to trust God. And we need to make a decision to trust God. Remember that God is with you. That's number four. There's this beautiful imagery in the psalm, yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand and you will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. There are some of you wondering, where is God? I want you to know where he is. He's holding you with his right hand right now. So often we ask the question, why am I going through this? And a lot of times we simply don't know. What I do know is that there is one purpose for every challenge. And that is to bring us closer to God. And I love what he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire besides you, God. I I could just imagine Asaph. I could just imagine Asaph wrestling with God on a whole bunch of things and he's fighting and he's talking and he's saying, God, but why? But what? But but Lord, but but what what are you doing? What's happening here? God doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to be a good God. I just thought that you were the kind of God that worked like this. If you're good, good things happen to you. If you're bad, bad things happen to you. That's not what I'm saying. What are you doing, God? And I can imagine him wrestling with God and wrestling and wrestling and wrestling with God. And he gets to a point where he says, you know what, God? I don't fully understand what you're doing, God, but I want you to know something. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to put my faith in you, Lord God. I got no plan B. I've got nowhere else to go but to you. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you, God. You know what, God? I love you and I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Whether I understand you or not, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life because I know that you're a good God, because I know that you love me, and I know that all things work together for good. In other words, I don't care if anything changes in my life, I'm going to be close to you. And it's in the presence of God that God does some of his greatest work. Some of you are thinking that God is far away, that he's kind of abandoned you in some way. And he, I want you to know that he's close to you and that he's guiding you even through this season. Here's what I believe. The deeper, the more complex, the, diff- the questions that we have. I think the deeper the revelation of God we can have. 
There's a strong correlation between these two things. That the, the deeper, the more complex the trial and the questions that we have, the, the deeper the, or the potential for the, a deeper revelation of God that we have. There are some of you here today, you're facing some deep challenges. The dealings of God are not making sense to you. And you have a choice of what to do with your pain. Either vent, take it out on whoever is willing to listen, just dump your emotions on them. You can stuff it deep inside of you and inside of you and just pretend that everything is fine, even though it's really not. But there is another way, like Asaph, you can pray your emotions. And it's in the presence of God that God does some of his greatest work. It's in the presence of God that faith is released. And sometimes the faith that is released is empowering faith where God gives us the power to do things that we could never do on our own. And sometimes it's enduring faith that is released where God gives us the grace to endure certain seasons in our life. And it's in the presence of God that our perspective changes. That we get a glimpse of God. Suddenly we get a glimpse of eternity. Declarations are made. Hope is restored. And suddenly we get a glimpse of who God is. And our faith in God is restored. There's the beautiful hymn that we sing from time to time that says... My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils His lovely face, I'll rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy day, my anchor holds. Within the veil, His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Will you stand with me? Just wonder this morning, there might be some people going through a difficult season. And I uh, just felt that as I was preparing, uh, we haven't done an altar call for, for a long time and um, we've spoken to the COVID people and so everything we're going to do today is it's quite safe, so it's all fine. And just want to encourage you to be led by our ushers if you'd like prayer. Um, but if you would like prayer, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And just allow God to, to minister to you even today. Because there might be some people that are going through some perplexities. There might be people that are going through some seasons just not, not making any sense. And I, and, I, and I wish I could tell you why, but I, I, I don't have a why for you. I just know someone who has the answer that might be able to help you. So if that's you, I just want you to come and, and, and just stand, just allow yourself to be guided by the ushers. And, uh, and we're, we're going to believe that God, I've been praying that God would do something, that God would release something, that God would speak in some way. Uh, Pastor Joe, is there, a, is, there, is there a special thing here at the altar? Uh, no, there's nothing special out here. 
But the act of coming forward, it's a step of faith, allowing the Holy Spirit to do something in our lives. So if that's you, you come. Come quickly and we're going to pray. And I just want to pray for you and believe that God is going to do something in your life. In Jesus' name, something is going to shift. Let's sing together.